Welcome into the Rob Logic Podcast. I tell you what, we made it through NFL Week 1. Very exciting times. Minnesota Vikings, all Viking fans out there have to feel really good after one week of games with Minnesota. Just dominating the Green Bay Packers. What a way to start the season for this Minnesota Vikings team. It is only one week, but hey, it's hard not to get excited when you look at some of the things that the team was able to do against those NFC North Division rivals. So, a lot to get to, a lot to unpack, a lot of Rob logic to drop. But, you know, this week, I got hit with the injury bug. I, uh, fever of 102.7, um, kind of hit me uh, during Sunday night football. It's probably about 7.30, 8 o'clock. And all of a sudden, it just, like, like a switch went off. And all of a sudden, I just had chills everywhere. I had to get all bundled up underneath a comforter, blanket, threw a sweatshirt on, put the hood up. All, the whole nine yards, it was awful. I felt really miserable the last couple of days. Went back to work today, though. Um, you know, Tylenol, ibuprofen, they've been my best friend through all this. So my voice isn't the best right now, uh, so bear with me. But we're going to get through this, and yeah. So anyways, week one, Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay Packers. Uh, we're going to talk about that. But first, um, I want to talk about my fantasy football team because you know what? It was a very good opening week for me. I have four different leagues, lost in two of them. But in the one that I lost, you know, I put up close to 160 points. Have to be happy with that, but... Uh, some of the top performers that I had that I, I did not start, that I really regret not starting, uh, definitely include Score Daryl Patterson. I mean, seriously, like this dude just, he just keeps getting it done. 120 yards on the ground against the New Orleans Saints, one touchdown there for the Falcons. I think that was about, yeah, 22.6 points that I just left on the bench. So, I mean, you know, he's he's been doing really, really well. A lot of good things. Um, another guy I didn't start that I wish I would have started, James Robinson. Those two sat on my bench in one league. That is also one of the leagues that I ended up losing week one, which shame on me. But hindsight is always twenty twenty, And when it comes to fantasy football, you never know who's going to pop off from week to week. So, but hopefully, you know, usually takes about one week or two before we all start to kind of feel comfortable with our fantasy lineups. You know what I'm saying? So I, I try not to get too discouraged or try to make too many tweaks from week to week because sometimes we overreact after just one week of action. You know, Cordero Patterson, this might be his only 100 plus yard rushing game of the season. I hope not. Because I'm going to start this dude, um, you know, this coming week. But I think I think that's like part of the struggle of fantasy football, though, is trying to temper some of those expectations. You might see certain performances here and there. But at the end of the day, we all kind of have to make our own choices and live with a lot of those choices. And I'll be honest, there's been some leagues that I've been in in the past where I've dropped 
guys after three to four weeks and then they end up being a top for performer for the the rest of the entire season but um it, it hasn't really burned me too much because usually whoever i'm bringing in off the waiver wire it's still an educated guess as well so it's there's a lot of luck involved that that's what it is it's fantasy football the nfl uh one of the great leagues out there that you can never really predict um i mean just look at some of the results that we had from week one i mean the the vikings beating the packers obviously the storylines going into that game were that's who is aaron Rodgers going to throw the ball to um, Packers have a good defense. Are the Vikings going to be able to do enough offensively? Uh, we all kind of saw how that shook out. And then there's a lot of other games across the league. I don't think anybody expected the Steelers to be able to take down the defending AFC champs with um, Cincinnati. But that Steeler defense, they're, they're for real. They looked really good. And e- even losing... TJ Watt doesn't sound like he's going to be done for the year. We'll be able to rehab and come back a little bit later, but still that's a, that's going to be a blow. But for the most part, that's still a very talented defense and what Mike Tomlin's done over there. I mean, there's a reason why he's been head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers for as long as he has, but yeah, I kind of went on a little bit of a rant there, but back to, back to my fantasy football team um, or teams, I should say. Yeah, so we had we had a couple of good wins, and then there's a couple other top performers that I had. Let's see where where am I at here? Oh yeah, Saquon Barkley. Um, that was I don't think anybody expected the New York Giants to come out and play the way that they did, get the win there uh, against the Tennessee Titans. And yet, that's what they were able to do. And Saquon Barkley put together a very impressive week one of work. 18 carries, 164 yards, one touchdown. That was good for 30.4 fantasy points in my one league. And he definitely carried me there. I also started Christian McCaffrey. Um, and then Antonio Gibson in the flex. He also put up some pretty big numbers. Um, 16.5 points. He kind of got it done with all the receiving and rushing yards. So put, put all those combined. It was good for 16 and a half points. I was loving it. And then that league, I've also got a pretty deep bench. Um, Miles Sanders had on the bench, James Robinson, on the bench as well. So those guys all put up some pretty, pretty good numbers. Um, so I'm, I like where that team's at. That's the same league that I won last year. So I'm hoping I'm able to win it again this year. You know, that's always nice. So didn't really have too many fantasy guys that I was upset with. No, actually I take that back. Allen Robinson. What the heck? And I know that it's not, it's not Allen Robinson's fault. But it is Matthew Stafford's fault for not really ever looking that dude's way in week one. Los Angeles Rams got stomped by the Buffalo Bills. That was another outcome I wasn't necessarily expecting. We all know Buffalo is going to have a great team this year. There's a reason why they're the Super Bowl favorite. But to come out in week one, go to Los Angeles and play that dominant style of football 
Rams just looked uncomfortable. And Von Miller, already a difference maker on the Bills. Hopefully he can stay healthy. I think just as an NFL fan in general, the league's better when Von Miller is healthy. So hopefully he's able to stay healthy because he's a difference maker. He's fun to watch. And that entire Buffalo Bills defense, no pro bowlers a year ago. No, no, no. No pro bowlers, but uh, <laughs> they definitely should have had some pro bowlers. Let's let's be honest here. But, you know, adding adding a guy like Von Miller, that just makes everybody that much better. So that was that was one guy that I was very disappointed in on my fantasy football team. So, you know, if uh, you if there's other people out there, you know, this is a this is a safe space. If you started Allen Robinson, because, hey, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, and, and we're OK with that because, you know, we're going to learn from that. And, you know, Allen Robinson, I'm not calling his number until I see. Matthew Stafford get back to being Matthew Stafford because that was I think the Rams are going to be okay even if Stafford doesn't look the best just because I think there's too much talent defensively and offensively and and look the Bills they they're probably the best team in football I mean they they're the preseason favorite um so I I think that the Rams are going to be okay but hopefully Hopefully Stafford's elbow is going to be okay too because if if he's not 100% and if he's not throwing the way that Matthew Stafford has thrown the ball in the past um it's going to be it might be tough sledding there for Allen Robinson but there's no doubt in my mind that McVay is going to go back to the drawing board and find ways to get this guy involved and I I, I think I'm going to leave him on my team for a few more weeks, but if we get to week six or seven, and it's a lot of performances like the week one outing against the Buffalo Bills, I'm probably going to have to cut ties. But he's one that I'm going to hold on to, want to hold on to, and just kind of wait and see. And then, of course, you know, every year with fantasy, it's always interesting to see who who goes for what that first week off the waiver wire. How long do you kind of sit with your guys and, and who do you want to drop for some of these waiver wire pickups because there's a good chance that you know you might be dropping a guy that's going to be a stud to pick up a guy off the waiver wire and was this just kind of a flash in the pan performance um so a couple of waiver wire additions i made um rashad white with the tampa bay buccaneers that was more of a depth choice for me I guess I'm trying to think of who did I let me take a look here I'm trying to pull up who I ended up dropping so I dropped Raheem Mostert um, and then I also added Carson Wentz and dropped Jared Goff now the reason why I added Carson Wentz is not because if I'm a general manager, there is no way I want Carson Wentz as the quarterback of my team. But as a fantasy football owner, um, Carson Wentz to me is always a decent streaming option every now and again. And 
For me, this week, coming up against the Detroit Lions, a team that gave up a lot of points to the Philadelphia Eagles in week one, and just seeing the way that Carson played with Washington in week one, I think this is a perfect recipe for success and a big a big fantasy performance. So I went ahead, picked up Carson Wentz, dropped Jared Goff, I really like that matchup. I'm going to go ahead and start Carson Wentz over Ryan Tannehill, who is my other quarterback in that league. Now, I, I do not have great quarterbacks. <laughs> and in this league, it's it's my work league. And I will tell you right now, I am going with the bold, bold uh, strategy of starting two tight ends. Now, the two tight ends that I have, they're great. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. So um, it's just kind of the way that the draft worked out. Ended up with those two guys. So I'm, I'm going with that bold move. But Carson Wentz, I'm put, plugging him into that quarterback spot here against the Detroit Lions. I really like that pick. You know, I might only start Carson Wentz two, three times out of the year. But you have to know when to start him and when to leave him on the bench because I've had that happen in the past where I've had Carson Wentz on my team. And sometimes I don't start him when he has, you know, the 30, 35 point effort. And, you know, that's just not managing him correctly. So I'm hoping that he pops off this weekend against the Detroit Lions. Um, And so those were two moves that I made in my work league in the other league. Let's see who who did we add and drop? Oh, added Carson Wentz. See, Carson Wentz, he, he, he's a guy that I like <laughs> um, for fantasy purposes. Um, and who did who did I give up for him? So in that one, we went with... Oh, I dropped Matthew Stafford. And the reason why I dropped Matthew Stafford, again, like I said... You should never panic after one week, but um, I, I don't think his elbow's where it needs to be right now, so I'm kind of worried about that. That's why I dropped Matthew Stafford, added Carson Wentz, um, and then we went ahead. I dropped Michael Gallup and added Robbie Anderson. Now, don't really need to explain dropping Michael Gallup. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, going on the shelf with the thumb injury. Any of the offensive weapons for the Dallas Cowboys to me, I, I just don't want to. I don't want to deal with thinking about like, oh, should I start them? Should I not? So I'm just getting them off the team. I I don't like where that offense is going right now. I don't like where that team is going right now. I don't think it's going to be good for C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, anybody involved on that offense. Zeke, Tony Pollard, etc. I just don't like it. So regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, they've got a lot of issues, especially up front on the offensive line. That game was pretty tough to watch. Um, Tampa Bay basically just destroyed the Dallas Cowboys. And it, it felt like it should have been um, Tampa Bay a lot and Dallas nothing. That's really what it felt like. But So um that's kind of what i ended up going with uh added robbie anderson i like what he was able to do there he's always kind of a hit or miss option so i'm i'm cool with that 
especially because I'm not expecting him to start. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not expecting him to, you know, go ahead and start. Um, I've got other wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, um, Traylon Burks, Devontae Smith, DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle, DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle. Those are the two that I typically start, although I may be taking more out and plugging Robbie Anderson in at some point this week. We'll see kind of what I do there, but um, I'll probably stick with it the way it is. DJ Moore didn't have a great first game with Baker. Um, you know, only 43 yards, but I still feel like he is he he is a pretty good wide receiver, and he is wide receiver one down there in Carolina. So I'm going to stick with DJ Moore this week more likely than not, but who knows? You know, because I might decide, hey, I'm going to go ahead and tinker with this, you know, right before and do all that. We, we, all, we all do that. We all think about that. I'll know kind of how that goes. So those are just a couple plays that I made. I'm not going to go through all my waiver wire additions and subtractions from my rosters in all of my lineups. Um, I've got a couple more, but but to the real good stuff, Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay Packers, what a game. 184 yards by Justin Jefferson receiving two touchdowns. Minnesota offense looked very efficient. And the only thing I was kind of disappointed with in that game is I was really looking forward to the Jair Alexander, Justin Jefferson showdown matchup. But Green Bay playing all the zone, we, we didn't really get to see it. So... I was kind of unfortunate. I wish Alexander would have shadowed Justin Jefferson. I think all fans, <coughs> excuse me, I think all fans really would have enjoyed getting to see that matchup, but we didn't, and and that's okay. And I think maybe the next time that these two teams play, Jair will end up basically following Justin Jefferson all over the field because I still have no clue how Jefferson is able to be that wide open for that many catches. He's the best player on the field, and it just I, – I don't know how the Packer defense lost him. I don't, I, I don't know if it was just that many blown coverages or if it's just the fact that Kevin O'Connell is that good of a play caller – putting Jefferson in a position to be open despite um, despite some of those zone, zone coverages. Maybe it's a mixture of both at this point in the season. Uh, but, yeah, Justin Jefferson putting up some pretty good numbers. Kirk Cousins off to a great start there at quarterback. And just is a Vikings fan watching this game, even though Minnesota didn't really ever run away with it, it, it never felt like, Green Bay was going to get back into the game. Like last year, you always kind of had this knot in your stomach. Anytime you're watching the Vikings and you see them go up by, you know, a couple of scores. And, and then all of a sudden in the second half, we just see that lead kind of start to slip away. Never had that feeling at all that that was going to be the case in this game. And I'll tell you right now, that is a, 
a great feeling to have as a fan. It's nice because last year you had no clue. You just kind of assumed, even though Minnesota was winning, it's like where, where is the collapse going to happen? Where is it? Where where is the team just going to lose focus? Let the other team back into this and just end up blowing a game. And that's what happened repeatedly last year. And in one week, it. It didn't happen, and hopefully that's kind of the way that this team is moving forward. But I love the way that this Minnesota Vikings offense looked. I love the way that the defense looked. Able to generate a lot of pressure on quarterback Aaron Rodgers without having to blitz a whole lot in that game. There wasn't a lot of blitzing being done, and I think that's part of the reason why Rodgers is getting so frustrated and that's why you see a lot of the coverage sacks that happen in the game because everybody's covered up downfield because the Vikings are able to basically get to the quarterback without having to send any extra guys and you kind of pair that with the inexperience of some of those Packer wide receivers and they're not able to get any separation and if they do like Christian Watson did on the first play from scrimmage for Green Bay, not able to make a play. And if you're a Packer fan, that's pretty tough because it felt like that could have been a very different game <laughs> had that been a touchdown. But uh, fortunately for Vikings fans, it, it was a drop. And so, um, you know, that really it felt like that kind of set the tone for the Green Bay Packers. It seemed like it was going to be a frustrating day for the Green Bay offense. And then defensively, after that mistake, Minnesota really seemed to kind of lock it down. And then we saw the the stand at the goal line. I love the way that this front seven looks. Zadarius Smith, he, he came in and played as advertised. Um, hopefully... Hopefully he's able to stay healthy and Daniil Hunter can stay healthy because the front seven, um, it's it's scary. And it's they play well together already. Um, just one week, but I'm really looking forward to this week two matchup, a Monday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles because this is really going to test the Minnesota defense. Um, I think... In order to have some of the success, I, I think you're going to see this defense blitz a little bit more against Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Hurts can do a lot of things with his legs that Aaron Rodgers cannot. And I think, you know, you're going to see this this Minnesota defense is going to be put to the test, but we will be able to see exactly how good this unit is against Jalen Hurts in the Eagles. Um, and the front seven is going to be put put to the test, but I think this is going to be a really good and fun matchup to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up kind of being a shootout between these two offenses, similar to the game that the Eagles won against the Detroit Lions. But... It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see some of the adjustments that this Minnesota Vikings defense makes from week one to week two because these are two completely different offenses. And when you look at 
the Green Bay Packers, after you trade away Devontae Adams, there's really not a whole lot there in the wide receiver room, right? So basically when you're looking at some of those weapons on offense for the Green Bay Packers, you're looking at that running back room. You're looking at slowing down Aaron Jones, um, A.J. Dillon, and you're, you're looking at slowing down some of those tight ends because the, those wide receivers just really aren't proven. Alan Lazard didn't end up playing in the game. He's he's the Packers' best option, and he's, he's someone that Aaron Rodgers really speaks highly of. Now, on the flip side of that, this team that the Vikings play in Week 2, Philadelphia Eagles, A.J. Brown, great debut for him. And that's just one of the many weapons. You've got a dynamic running back. You have a quarterback that can beat you with his arm and his legs. He can use his legs to open up some things in the passing game. He's really able to extend plays a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is great moving around in the pocket to get out of the pocket and some of those things. But Jalen Hurts can do all all of that stuff as well. So I think for Minnesota... Um, look for this defense to, um, you know, try to try to just kind of contain Jalen Hurts, and that's going to really be one of the keys on that side of the ball is trying to keep him in the pocket, not let him get out of the side of the pocket, not let him kind of move up in the pocket and take off for some of those quarterback runs, and I think. If Minnesota is able to do that, they're going to be fine on defense. And then, you know, also going back to the Packer game, able to force a couple of turnovers. That'll be that'll be huge, and that that is something that you can do against Jalen Hurts. So look for this team to try and you know get those strip sacks when you are able to get home, and, and really kind of force force the ball out and and do some of those things. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think it's going to be. A lot of fun to watch, and it'll it'll kind of tell us a little bit more about this Minnesota Vikings team because anytime that you have a new coach, new general manager, one week is nice, and it's cool that they're able to beat the Green Bay Packers, but the reality is it's week two now, and the Philadelphia Eagles, they might be a better team than the Green Bay Packers, just... Um, it, it sure looks like that on paper. I think Green Bay is going to be fine as the season rolls along. Just, I mean, anytime you have a back-to-back MVP, it's pretty hard to bet against that. But who knows? Um, you know, they they might not be great without Devontae Adams this year. But, you know, when it comes to Philadelphia, this is a team that went to the playoffs last year. And they've got a lot of different pieces offensively and defensively so it should be a fun matchup and then you know for Minnesota offensively just continuing to see how this Kevin O'Connell offense evolves from week to week when you see everything that this team was able to do against the Green Bay Packers it it did kind of surprise me just how dominant and in fluid they were offensively because not starting anybody really you know, a lot of the starters here, let me let me back that up. A lot of the starters, a lot of the starters for the Minnesota Vikings did not suit up and play during the preseason. And we saw a lot of those teams that did exactly what the Vikings did in the preseason, kind of take that approach. They did not look great in week one, but Minnesota did. So I think that just kind of goes back to Kevin O'Connell's 
the the way that he prepared this team throughout the week, made sure that they were ready for that first first game of the season where where it counts. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that offense evolves from week to week. They did a lot of things right. And it's going to be interesting to see if Justin Jefferson is going to continue to be able to get open as often and as many times as he did against the Packers because they made it look easy. And if that's going to be the case every day down the road, he's going to easily top that 2000 receiving mark that he set as a goal. But obviously this is a league where, you know, teams are going to go look at that film. They're going to make the adjustments to try and neutralize him. And they're going to really do their best to take him away. But I, I don't think even though teams will make it, you know, one of those points of emphasis to look at and going into the game, be like, Hey, we need to take out, take out this guy and minimize some of the things that he's able to do on the field. I still think Justin Jefferson is going to be able to put up some pretty big numbers this season uh, just because uh, of his talent. And then you look at what Cooper Cup was able to do last year. Teams were not really able to adjust as the year went along. I mean, he still got his throughout the entire season. And when you look at what he was able to do last year as a Triple Crown winner, Justin Jefferson is also another guy that's very, very talented. And when you look at this Vikings offense, teams can double Justin Jefferson if they want. But I think if you're Minnesota, I think you're okay with that just when you have Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne and some of these other playmakers uh, on offense. I think that's, you know, if, if teams want to do that, like, okay. I mean, we we have other wide receivers. It's not just Justin Jefferson. And that's that, to me, is going to really, really help. And I think that's ultimately going to be why Jefferson is going to be able to pile up a lot of yards because teams, you're not only going to be able to key on him. Because if you do, Minnesota will be able to beat you in some other ways. So I do think that teams... Well, maybe actually have their best corner shadow him throughout the game. Maybe not necessarily double up on him, but um, I do think putting a guy like Jair Alexander and having him follow Justin Jefferson all over the field is probably a team's best option at this point because when you play zone against this Minnesota offense and Kevin O'Connell offense, it just seems like after one game, now... There were some blown assignments by by the Packers, but it just seems like that's almost what O'Connell wants, and he can just kind of manipulate the entire field to really get the guy open that he wants, which is Justin Jefferson, and we saw that. 184 yards, two touchdowns. That's an incredible, incredible performance, especially for week one. And then also the other kind of thing I'm really looking for for in this offense moving into week two is this run game. Um, Dalvin Cook, pretty solid week one performance, but a lot of what he did was overshadowed by Justin Jefferson and deservedly so. But I, I'm really looking forward to this Dalvin Cook against the Eagles defense. I think that 
Cook might be going for 100-plus yards on the ground on Monday night. I could could definitely see that. But I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction on the game. Vikings, Eagles, Monday night matchup. I'm going to take the Vikings 27-14 to 14 over the Philadelphia Eagles. That's that's going to be my pick. I'm, I'm going to lock that one in. And and I'm also going to say Dalvin Cook. I think I think he ends up rushing for over 100 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Jefferson puts up quite a bit of yards receiving as well. I would not be surprised if he goes for over 150. It just feels like a very special season that, that's brewing. Kind of reminds me of was it 2012 with Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, after, I mean, even after the first game, you just kind of, I know he didn't rush for a ton in that first game because he was coming off that ACL injury, but, you know, it just felt like something was kind of different, something special was brewing that season. And, you know, he came close to breaking the all-time season rushing record, just came up a little bit short of Eric Dickerson's record and and you know that's kind of it kind of has that special feel already just after one week for Justin Jefferson so hopefully he's able to stay healthy for the entire season and you know Minnesota Vikings fans and the entire NFL is able to see what that guy is able to do so kind of switching gears now to uh, Minnesota Twins you know it's right in the middle of this playoff chase for the American League Central. Minnesota knows they're not getting into the playoffs with a wild card spot, so it's very, very essential for the team to win this American League Central. And, you know, right now Minnesota, five games back of the Cleveland Guardians, picked up another win against the Kansas City Royals, but... Right now, Minnesota just needs to pile up the wins. They've got another game against the Kansas City Royals coming up, and then you've got five games against the Cleveland Guardians. That's who you're chasing in the American League Central. Minnesota, to me, they need to win four out of five if they want a chance. Now, I think three out of five bare minimum, but I'm going to say four out of five. Twins need to, to win four out of five against the Guardians if they want to have a chance at the playoffs. And, I mean, they've got a bunch of guys on the injured list right now, so it's it's no surprise that Minnesota has kind of fallen from first place in the Central down to third where they are now. But the margin for error at this point in the season is so small. When you're five games back and it's the middle of September, they're – this team needs to win, and they need to continue to win. It's nice to be able to have this series against Kansas City where you know, you are expected to, to sweep it, and you should because Kansas City is not a good team. But now you've got to do it against the team that you are chasing in the American League Central. So the sweep needs to happen against the Kansas City Royals. That's the first step. And then this team needs to go out there, and to me, they need to win four out of five against Cleveland and then 
Minnesota will get some more games against the Chicago White Sox as well. But that's that's where this division is going to be decided. I'm excited to see the way that it plays out. Some encouraging signs against the Kansas City Royals, but Minnesota needs that momentum to roll over, and they need to take care of your business against Kansas City and not look too far ahead to that Cleveland Guardian series because you have to you have to sweep teams like the Royals, especially at this point in the season when you're down by five games. That's just something that has to happen. So for Minnesota, love the way Carlos Correa has been playing as of late. I think he's hitting like 375 in his last 18 games. I think that was a graphic that they had on Bally. Um, so, you know, he's, he's really doing well. Sonny Gray pitching well down the stretch here. But they need everybody to really step up, and they need guys to get healthy and come back and make an impact. So it sounds like Tyler Malley is probably done for the season, or he might be coming back a little bit later in the year if the team is still kind of in that playoff hunt. But, you know, this team needs to needs to win to, you know, make that a, make that a choice for the twins to bring back Mally instead of being so far out of the playoff chase where it's like, Oh, may as well just shut them down for the season. No, make Minnesota make that choice and, you know, try and get them back, you know, stay, stay in it. But you have to, you have to win and you have to be able to take care of business against the Royals and get some of those wins against <coughs> excuse me against the Cleveland Guardians because that's ultimately that's the only way that you're going to be able to win the division is by beating the Guardians and you can beat Cleveland you had them beaten in quite a few games earlier in the year the bullpen blew it you cannot have any of those errors happen now though it was okay for them to happen way back in June or whenever it was because that was June. But this is September. This is when the games count. This is when it matters. If this team wants to make it to the playoffs, they need to win and they need to win now. Otherwise, it's going to be too much to come back from and they'll be mathematically eliminated. So for Minnesota, I'm really looking forward to kind of following along with all of that and we'll kind of keep monitoring all that. But... So before we go, I do want to talk about, see, I just pulled it up here, the sports book. All right, so here's going to be some of my bets for football games. So Thursday night football, Kansas City Chiefs, negative four for the spread. The over-under is 54. All right, so, you know, I really like, ah, man, this is a tough one. See, I I always feel like when whenever I go to like actually bet on anything, then I always kind of like really second guess myself over and over. But um, for Chargers and Chiefs, so Chiefs at negative four, Chargers plus four. I, you know, the Chiefs looked really really good in Week One against the Arizona Cardinals, but. Man, this is tough. I really want to pick the Chargers here. And I know that sounds crazy, but I really want to pick the Chargers um, just because 
I love I love what Brandon Staley did on defense, and I think if if there's I feel like the Chargers defense can match up pretty well against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chargers defense is not the Arizona Cardinals defense. Um, so you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to take the over 54, and I'm also going to take the Chargers. At I'm going to take the Chargers money line. Um, all right, then let's move on to Sunday's games. We've got Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints. Um, I mean, what this is spreads only two and a half, <laughs> two and a half Buccaneers. Okay, um, I'm gonna take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, now we got New York Jets, Cleveland Browns. I am going to, you know, this one's kind of interesting. I'm actually going to take the the Jets to cover. That's six and a half. And oh, should I do the over under for all? I'm going to do the over under for all these as well. So the Tampa Bay New Orleans Saints, you got the over under of 44. I'm going to take the over. And then for the Jets, Browns, we've got the over under of 39 and a half. I'm going to take the over and I'm going to take the Jets to cover. Okay, Miami Dolphins against the Baltimore Ravens. This is a good one. I really like this matchup. Um, and again, I'm going to take, you know, the sports book right now has the Ravens at minus three and a half. I'm actually going to take Miami Dolphins. Uh, I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins money line. And I'm going to say over on this one as well. Carolina Panthers against the New York Giants. New York Giants minus two in the over-under, 43.5. I'm going to take the Giants, and we're going to go with the under just because I I don't like either of these offenses really at all. Love Saquon Barkley. Love Saquon Barkley for my fantasy football team. Do not like these offenses, though, in general. Indianapolis Colts against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's an AFC South matchup. We like that. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't even care that the Colts are minus three and a half. I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars because the Colts did not look great against the Houston Texans. Texans are not a great team. You should not be tying with a team like that. The Jaguars had the Colts number last year for the Colts to get into the playoffs. I like the Jaguars in this one, and we're going to go ahead and take the. I'm going to go ahead and take the under on this one as well, under 45. New York, New England Patriots, not the New York Patriots. New England Patriots against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Patriots minus two. Um. No, over under is 40. This is kind of a tough one because I this is tough for me because Pittsburgh played so well against Cincinnati. But also New England Patriots, Bill Belichick after a loss. I mean 
I'm going to have to go ahead and take the Patriots. As much as I really, really want to take the Pittsburgh Steelers here, I'm going to go ahead take the Patriots minus two. Um, I'm going to go with the over on the 40 as well. Next game we got on here, Washington Commanders against the Detroit Lions. Lions getting a point and a half. Or, no, Commanders getting a point and a half in this one. Detroit is um, minus one and a half. I am going to... And see, this is also a problem with me. I, I drank a lot of the Kool-Aid that was going on with Hard Knocks. So, this is tough for me. But I'm going to have to go with the Commanders and... I'm also going to take the over of 48 and a half just because I think these defenses both have a lot of holes. I'm going to take the commanders though and the over next one, Atlanta Falcons against the LA Rams Rams at minus 10 and a half. Okay. I'm going to take the Falcons to cover just because I think 10 and a half. That's a lot of points and, and this is the NFL. I, I do think that, you know, the Falcons are probably going to lose that game, but um, I like, I'll take that 10 and a half. Wasn't the Colts Texans game 10 and a half that uh, weren't the Colts 10 and a half going into that one. And then, you know, they end up tying. So yeah, I'm going to take the Falcons to cover and Hey, good team. How's that saying go? Good teams win, great teams cover. <laughs> uh, it's going to be the Atlanta Falcons and score Daryl Patterson. I've got him in my fantasy lineups this week, not making the same mistake that I did last week. So, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Falcons to cover 10.5. Okay, Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers. 49ers getting minus 8.5. That's interesting. No love for the Seattle Seahawks after what they did to – Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos? That, that's kind of a shock. Um, I'm actually going to take the Seahawks to cover. Eight and a half, that's a, that's a lot. I mean, you know, they, I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover. I don't think, I think they probably should have a little bit more respect than, than what the sports book is giving them right now. All right, Cincinnati Bengals, Dallas Cowboys, Bengals minus seven. I'm going to go ahead and take the Bengals. I think they bounce back after the loss to Pittsburgh. Plus Dallas right now, no Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush. Who knows what you're going to get out of that offense. Denver Broncos against the Houston Texans. <coughs> Excuse me. And by the way, I apologize. I know I, I realize I've stopped doing the over-under about halfway through these Houston Texans against the Denver Broncos though Broncos minus 10 see th this is the hard thing for me in the NFL like I just can't take a double digit favorite I just can't I like I'm always gonna take the the team that's the underdog to cover so I'm gonna do that here especially with the way like why are why is Denver minus 10 when they just lost to Seattle. Does anybody actually think Seattle's for real? I don't. Um, so I'm going to take Houston Texans to cover. I like the way that the Texans played against Indianapolis to pull out 
that uh, that tie. I think they're going to be able to cover that 10 points. Give me the Texans to cover against the Broncos. Arizona Cardinals against the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a good one. Um, I'm going to take Arizona Cardinals money line. I think they bounce back after a rough week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Raiders offense, not quite the same as Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I will take the Arizona Cardinals money line against the Raiders. All right, Chicago Bears against the Green Bay Packers. Packers minus nine and a half against the Bears. I'm going to go against everything that I've said earlier where I'm going to take the Packers in this one. Um, I know nine and a half is a lot. Packers didn't look great. The Bears defense looked pretty good in, uh, you know, the rainy conditions there week one against the 49ers. But I think that Green Bay gets it all together and is able to beat the Chicago Bears. So I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers minus nine and a half over Chicago. Tennessee Titans against the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia. Um, I like I like Buffalo. Yeah, I I'm again I'm gonna go against everything I said. This is the Bills are one of those teams, they deserve to be a minus ten. Okay, and that's you know that they are favored in this one. I'm gonna take the Buffalo Bills minus ten to beat the Tennessee Titans. I don't feel like I need to elaborate a whole lot, but if you want me to, I will. Josh Allen and Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs is really all I need to say. They've got a very high-powered offense. That defense is pretty nasty. I think it's going to be tough for Tennessee to to move the ball unless Derrick Henry is able to go off, which he, he very well might. Very talented running back, but I, I do like Buffalo, though, in this one, minus 10 over Tennessee Titans. Minnesota Vikings against the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles minus two. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Vikings money line. Um and that's yeah, I'm I'm taking the Vikings money line just because I think this Kevin O'Connell offense is gonna be able to put up a lot of points. Defensively, I think it's not gonna be as easy as it was in week one, but ultimately I think Minnesota is going to be able to make enough plays to be able to win that game. So give me the Vikings money line in that one. And that is all the games for this week, man. I am looking forward to it. It was so much fun just to be able to have football on all day Sunday. And then, you know, Monday you get all hyped up for that. Monday night football showdown that was, I mean, Seattle Seahawks against the Denver Broncos. Geno Smith, they looked pretty good. I do have a lot of questions, though. Broncos should have won that game despite doing everything in their power to throw it away. They still should have won it there at the end. I have no clue what Nathaniel Hackett was thinking by trotting out Brandon McManus. McManus, it is kind of funny because... If he hits that 64-yard field goal, I actually end up winning um, a, a matchup for fantasy football because Brandon McManus was my kicker. 
Um, I ended up falling, I think, two points. I was two points behind a guy. I had 158 points. He had 160. If if McManus makes that kick, I end up winning my fantasy football matchup. I was hoping we would get a field goal. I was not wanting McManus to attempt one from 64, and I was really, really crossing my fingers and praying that they would just go for it and let's ride with Russell Wilson and get that first down. But I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett was thinking. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me earlier in the game. Instead of going for it on fourth and goal, I think he probably should have just taken the three points. I think it was a 17-13 to 13 game at that point. You, you take the field goal there. Your defense had been playing pretty pretty well. They made you know those adjustments in the second half. So I, I have so many questions. And Nathaniel Hackett, maybe he's just a really good coordinator and maybe he's not cut out to be a head coach. I don't know. I was it it was very reminiscent of some of the Mike Zimmer coaching mistakes over the years. That's what it really felt like when I was watching it. And I'm not a Bronco fan, but man, I was getting anxiety just watching that and it it felt like, oh, I've seen this. I've felt this. It's not great. But um you know, maybe maybe moving forward though, you know, he's going to be able to kind of learn from that and and, and make some of those uh, make some of those adjustments as a coach. You know, it's just it's just week one, so let's not overreact too much. But um, you know, we love to overreact, right? You know, after week one, it's like Minnesota going to the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> now we'll have to see what they're able to do against Philadelphia. It's that's kind of nice because anytime. I know I mentioned it earlier, but anytime you have a new coach, new general manager, it's kind of like these first four or five weeks, you really kind of get a see and, and get a feel just for what this team is going to look like and what they're going to be made of moving forward. So we're going to learn a lot about Minnesota Vikings coming into this next matchup here against the Philadelphia Eagles. So thanks so much for joining me for this week's edition of Rob Logic, we will do it all again, and hopefully, we get some fantasy football wins and maybe some of those bets that I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, you know, drive down to Iowa and put some of those bets in because I think, I think I might have, I think I might have a couple good ones. Well, best of luck with all of your fantasy football endeavors, and hopefully, everybody's team is able to get a win this week. Have a good one.